strange future, a 23rd century guide for the 21st century cynic by Josh Smith. With me, Carl Friedman, as your narrator. Thomas, you awake? We want to leave soon. Uh, overslept, sorry. I'll be down in 15 minutes. He stumbled to the bathroom, hopped in the shower, and hopped back out all within 10 minutes. He threw on his clothes, dashed out into the hallway, and rushed down the stairs. Ready? Let's tell him before he asks. So basically, we're going to go to the bank to add you guys to the account that Frank started when you were first frozen. That way you'll have access to the money when we travel. The account has been transferred from person to person over the years here at the lab. It's a miracle someone didn't run off with the money. Well, Frank was extremely careful about who he hired to take the reins from him and impressed upon that person the importance of doing the same. We're lucky to get the job ourselves, but the lab manager seemed to think having two younger people would be the best guides for you three when you were revived. Lab manager? We have a lab manager? Not anymore. He died just over a year ago. He was so sad that he'd never get to meet you two. Anyhow, Darren and I have access to the account. We just need to go down to the bank, add you to the account, and we're set. That sounds easy enough, but it'll probably go horribly, horribly wrong. The others looked at him. His seemingly prophetic utterances were growing quite annoying. The group exited the pod station, made their way up the street into the bank, and into yet another queue. Fortunately, this one didn't take nearly as long as the line at the ID office, and they were comforted by the fact that the bank seemed to be devoid of strange old women with British accents. Next! The group approached the man at the counter. Oh, and which person here is the account holder? Darren and Lila looked at each other, gestured with their eyes, and finally Lila approached and stepped into a circular area on the floor marked off by a change of color in the carpet. A light flashed, and a scanner beeped. Okay, Lila, you have two accounts with us today. Which will we be managing? Um, we'll be managing the account with more money in it. <laughs> the man behind the counter laughed as if it was the funniest thing he had heard all day, then abruptly stopped, put on his serious face, and continued. Okay, and what do you want to do with the account? I'd like to give access to additional people. Ah, and that explains your friends. He winked cryptically, as if his statement was supposed to have some sort of additional meaning. All right. Well, have each one who needs access step forward into the scanner ring, and we'll get them on. Lila stepped aside and motioned Vera into her spot. The implant scanner lit up and beeped again. Good, good. Do you wish to impose a withdrawal limit onto Vera here? Oh, no, no. Don't put a limit on any of them. The teller nodded and pecked away at his keyboard, then motioned for the next person to step in. Moments later, Doug was added, then Thomas. Okay, Lila, you're all set. Anything else we can do for you today? Wonderful, thanks. I think that's it. Wait, can we get some cash out? Cash? Oh, don't mind him. <laughs> He's been frozen for the past 200 years. He just doesn't know any better. The teller laughed uproariously and banged his fists on the counter. <laughs> the teller screamed, causing everyone to look over and wonder what on earth could be so funny. 
Suddenly, he stopped, put his serious face back on, and looked towards the queue. Next! He waved goodbye to the group. Why wouldn't you let me get any cash? You already have a nice wad handy or something? No, physical currency hasn't existed for decades. An international debit system was created around the middle of the last century once the implants were required by law. Everything is handled by the implant now. You just confirm the transaction and the money is removed from your account. After a while, it became obvious that currency was no longer needed, so it was phased out. You don't write checks anymore either. Use a voice command and transfer money and you're set. What's with all these voice commands anyhow? How are we supposed to remember them? Didn't you read all the brochures they gave you? They explained everything. Well, no. Then don't complain. Vera folded her arms to rest her case. Lila, Darren, and Doug stood smiling and very amused. Thomas just stood quietly. Let's go. She walked out. The rest slowly followed with Thomas taking up the rear. Doug turned around and looked at Thomas occasionally, grinning like a maniac. They finally caught up with Vera and paused to figure out what the next thing on the day's agenda was. Well, I don't know. We've got the implants, you have access to the bank account, and we've basically done everything we needed to do for you to fit into society. What we do now is basically up to you guys. Wow, I think that's the first time you've actually smiled. It's very nice. You should do it more often. Vera patted his arm. Darren blushed. Thomas gaped. And Doug coughed. <clears throat> Actually, I'd like to spend some time researching travel destinations, you know? Yeah, I want to find out where we could possibly go, given that most of the things from our time are probably gone by now anyhow. Well, I wouldn't mind having some time to check out some of the local scenery. She stared at Darren, who blushed even more than before. Okay, let's just go then. They began on the journey back to the lab, a very uneventful trek that took them about 15 minutes of walking and one pod trip. Finally, they got back and separated to their rooms. Thomas looked around his room and realized how utterly boring it would be to just sit there. He wondered why they were back in their rooms again at midday, but then remembered that they were supposed to be investigating travel destinations. Thomas decided to make a list and looked around for a pen and paper, but didn't see any. They gave us a room with no TV, no windows, and no paper. Good grief. Thomas muttered. He decided to go down to the lab. Surely there would be some paper there. He slipped out into the hallway and walked towards the staircase. Just as he was about to descend, he heard a door crack behind him. He turned around and saw Doug's head dart out to the left in the direction of his room and then towards the stairs where he was standing. He caught sight of Thomas and started flailing his arms wildly, indicating he wanted him to come that way. What's up? Shh! Doug put his finger to his lips to indicate the need to, quite bluntly, shut up. Thomas obeyed and walked briskly in that direction. What's up? I wanted to talk to you about something, but I don't want Beard to know. Doug twisted his face in an unusual way. She's been annoying me lately, and I'm not sure what's going on with her and Darren, but it bugs me. Anyhow, come on. Thomas entered Doug's room and abruptly stopped, staring at the large image on the wall across from Doug's bed. How? I know, right? I just figured it out myself a few hours ago. It's another one of those voice commands you love so much. I guess that there had to be some sort of TV somewhere, and I figured it might be on the implant, so I was guessing it commands when the wall there turned on instead. Awesome. Well, not really, no. TV hasn't gotten any better since our day, and since I've had it on, I've seen nothing good. 
But the local news starts in about 20 minutes, so I figured I'd watch that. Oh, that's not a big surprise, though, really. I didn't expect the media to change all that much. I was hoping it would, but oh well. Anyhow, I wanted to see if we could try to get a list together of potential travel destinations so we could, you know, split the list, research it individually, and save some time. That's what all the flailing and secrecy was for? Doug shrugged. Yeah, okay, let's do it. Good. I got some paper right here. He reached down and produced a notebook from the backpack that had been stored in the closet all the years they were frozen. I'd never go anywhere without a notebook on me. Doodling's a perfect cure for boredom on any trip. Plus, if I'm suddenly hit with inspiration for some idea, I can write it down before I forget. Good thing, because I couldn't find paper anywhere in my room. I was on my way to see if there was some in the lab when you caught me. Okay, so let's try to figure this out. Doug sat on the bed and cracked the notebook, turning till he found a blank page. Thomas sat in the armchair across from the bed and pondered quietly about all the places he dreamed of going as a kid. The list was rather brief. Thomas never really cared for traveling, and until the few years before he met Frank's team, he was content with where he lived. What about London? I've always wanted to see England and some parts of Europe, for that matter. How about Paris? Uh, Doug twisted his face. See, from everything I've heard about Paris, it's always struck me as a tourist trap. I mean, there's France, and then there's Paris. I wouldn't mind seeing France, but not Paris. Thomas shrugged. I want to look into it anyhow. It could have changed a lot in 200 years. Doug considered this and finally wrote it down below London. They both paused momentarily while a loud, flashy advertisement for something on TV distracted them. China? What city? Beijing, Shanghai, Hong Kong, anything really. We could go to more than one, couldn't we? Yeah, I guess, but we should at least pick one to really look into. Let's just try Beijing, that is, or was, I guess, the capital. Doug nodded in agreement and wrote it down on the list. Will it poo on you? The TV blared. Doug and Thomas stopped dead in their tracks, their jaws on the floor. Flashy, three-dimensional word art accompanied the message. The creators of Survivor 1134 are in closed room, rapidly filling with water, bring you their latest hit reality show, Will It Poo on You? The advertisement cut to show a strange, bearded, malnourished-looking man who was apparently the host. Join us this week as we subject our contestants to the whims of a group of giraffes, all but one of which have been fed laxatives. Another cut scene occurred, this time showing five people sitting behind five giraffes. Join us for the fun, Sunday at 9 p.m. You're right. It hasn't changed a bit. Doug shook his head sadly. Hey, speaking of giraffes, what if we go on an African safari? Hey, yeah. I've always wanted to do that. But I knew there was no way I would have been able to afford it in our time period. So I killed that dream early on. Doug wrote it on the list. They sat quietly for a bit more, deep in thought. I really don't know. I mean, there are all the big cities of our day, provided they still exist anyhow. Like Tokyo... Mexico City, Los Angeles, Delhi, Moscow, and so on, but none of them particularly appeal to me. I always dreamed of seeing the more scenic things like mountains, lakes, waterfalls, you know. I still wouldn't mind doing that now, but you're not going to learn much about the future by staring at a mountain, no matter how majestic it is. This is true. I suspect that regardless of the main destinations we choose, we'll likely end up stopping over in various places along the way and get to do at least a little bit of sightseeing. So how about we just research different large Chinese cities, 
London, Paris, the safari, and... He hesitated, mentally flipping coins and eliminating options. Los Angeles. At least we'll get an American city in there to see, too. That sounds good. Cool. How about you take China and London, and I'll take L.A. and the safari? Sure. I'll probably just go to my room and use the implant thing to look up stuff on the wiki. Just then, the local evening news came on. This is the WBC5 Evening News with anchors Stan Stanley and Rita Viona. Sports with Emma Carmi and weather with Rex Irving. The announcer blared as images of strange-looking people flashed by. The screen faded to black and a darkened studio lit up to reveal Stan and Rita at the anchor desk. Never mind. I want to watch this first. Shh. Good evening and welcome. We've got a lot of ground to cover tonight, so we're going to get started right away. That's right, Rita. Looking at these two, Thomas initially began to feel overwhelmed about how different these people were compared to the TV personalities of his time. Stan, though sitting down, appeared to be fairly tall, and his hair looked to be an unnatural shade of jet black. Rita was a blonde woman who seemed to have an extremely high center of gravity that would make it difficult to walk, let alone sit up. Both of them looked to be only in their 20s. Thomas reflected for an additional few minutes and realized that they weren't, in fact, all that different after all. These two were just much younger than the typical anchors of his day. Perhaps this was a good thing, though. After all, the old system was designed around the idea that people would only take those who had been in the journalism business for years seriously, and so the older, more experienced individuals usually became anchors. Maybe people were more open-minded now than in times past and didn't look down on age so much. That, or these two were just picked for their looks. Either scenario seemed equally likely. Thomas realized he had missed the large majority of what had been going on, so he decided to shut off his mind and went back to listening. And that's why the students at Bill Gates Junior High will be sure to look both ways before crossing the street. <laughs> oh, those children learning things. And sadder news, 15 homicides were committed today. Suddenly a list appeared on the screen showing the name, ID number, and picture of the victims. The list quickly scrolled by and disappeared. Only two of those homicides remain unsolved. The camera panned back over to Stan, who was staring at Rita. Oh, yes. Well, it was certainly a hot one outside today, wasn't it, Rex? Can you tell us what to expect over the next few days? An enormous, rotund-looking man stood in front of a weather map with a pointer. Well, Stan, it was quite hot indeed. And we'll see that trend continue through the middle of this week. But at that point, it's going to take a dive towards temperatures that are more typical this time of year. Morning lows will be in the lower teens. So you may need to start stockpiling up on hot chocolate now. Rex paused and looked extremely pleased. I do love the hot chocolate. Beyond that, however, we should see a chance for some shower later this week. We may be dealing with some fog tonight, and into tomorrow morning, that looks like it could be as thick as pea soap. Saliva began to drip down Rex's chin, but he quickly wiped it away and carried on. It's for today. However, it did get very hot out, and there wasn't a cloud in the sky. Temperatures reached the lower 30s, and boy, you could feel it. It was hot enough to cook an egg on the sidewalk. Drool began pouring down now without restraint. <laughs> As we look at our current conditions, however, we're sitting comfortably at about 20 degrees with clear skies. I like donuts. Back to you, Stan. Okay, thanks very much, Rex. We always look forward to hearing your delicious weather reports.
Now we're going to go to Emma for sports. Oh, goody! She began clapping and bouncing in her chair, hitting Stan on the head. The screen cut to Emma, who appeared to be in the middle of a stadium. Thanks, Stan. Rita, I love your enthusiasm. Emma flashed a wicked-looking smile, obviously aware of what had happened. I'm here in the next stadium. The camera pulled back from the close-up to reveal her standing on a stepladder next to one of the team's players. We're here with Marius Henning, the team's 8-6 center. Now, Marius, you guys had a rough game tonight against the Wildcats. Can you tell me what your toughest issue was? Marius began muttering incoherently, but eventually real words started to come out. Well, Emma, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I mean, this team is simply amazing, and got one of them new, new centers from the most recent change in the minimum requirements, and going to get someone that tall is just crazy. Marius turned to talk directly to the camera now. I mean, I got mad respect for Joey, but I gotta say that I don't know what kind of ball, you know, we're playing out there. Yes, that has to be tough for you, since you've been playing for so long, to see the latest generation of players start to enter the court. Do you think that you will be forced to retire soon? Marius looked away from the camera and began to tear up. Well, Emma, I don't know what... He paused to sniffle and wipe away some tears. I mean, the game is my life. If they replace me, I just don't know what I'm going to do. He walked off abruptly. Emma clearly wasn't prepared for this. Changing times here on the court, Stan and Rita. It's clearly difficult for some of the players, but I do want to relieve any fears Marius's fans may have. The team's manager indicated to me that they weren't planning on replacing him anytime soon. Live from Nick Stadium, I'm Emma Carmen. Thanks, Emma. Stan was conspicuously absent from the anchor's desk. Well, that seems to be it for our broadcast this evening. We'll leave you now for some footage from the marathon that happened earlier today. Stay tuned for the regional news. Rita smiled and the studio faded out to show a mass of people running along the Queensboro Bridge. Doug turned towards Thomas but said nothing. Thomas said nothing in return. Their silence said enough. This is the WBC Regional News with Katie Couric's clone. The announcer said as dramatic music played in the background. Katie Couric, her clone that is, appeared on screen. <laughs> Doug laughed in an amused tone that also seemed slightly nervous. Good evening, I'm Katie Couric's clone and welcome to the WBC Regional News. Recently, our region has been all abuzz about the upcoming election for this region's members of the International House, and I had a chance to sit down today for an exclusive interview with Paula Antony, one of the most controversial candidates in our region. The recording of the interview began to play. Good evening, Katie. Thanks for having me. Paula said as she shook hands with Katie. Well, thank you for this interview, Paula. It's an honor. Now, I'd like to just get started and address one of the main things your opponents are attacking you for, your lack of experience. You, however, say that you have been studying the methods of a few of our region's most distinguished members of the International House. Now I'm curious, which particular members of the International House from this region have you studied to understand how they get the job done? I've really studied most of them, again, with great appreciation for them, for all that they do. They really are the ones that make our world great. But which ones specifically? I'm curious. Um, well, all of them. Any of them that have really stood out to me over the years. Can you name any of them? I have a vast variety of individuals that I have studied. Ugh, politicians are worse than they were in our day. Mute TV! It was suddenly silent. Hey, it worked. <laughs> I was just guessing. 
Well, anyhow, I'm going to start looking into things now. You can stay if you want. It's up to you. Nah, though I'll need some paper if I'm going to be able to write things down. Can I borrow some? Sure. Doug reached into his bag and produced a second notebook with a pen already stuck in the metallic spiral. Thanks. He hastily exited. He quietly made his way back down the hall to his room, as if he were about to be eaten by a Gru. Each step was strategically made and placed as if the next could be his last in a text-based adventure game that was seemingly impossible to beat. He cracked the door to his room, flipped the light switch, and entered, swiftly closing the door behind him. He stood there and realized how silly he must have looked had anyone seen him. Well, that was pointless. He said to no one in particular. Why is Vera being so moody? How could she compromise on her standards about not dating genetically modified men she's only just met? What does the horror that was the six o'clock news mean for our heroes? Why did Thomas sneak back to his room? What will they discover as they research travel destinations? Find out the answers in next week's episode of Strange Future. In that episode of Strange Future, Carl Friedman was the narrator. Dustin Smith was Thomas Gordon, Rex Irving, and Marius Henning. Rachel Smith was Lila. Becky Cook was Vera. Ross Blavelt was Darren and the TV announcer. Emily Blavelt was Rita Viona and Katie Couric's clone. Jasmine Smith was Emma Carme. Josh Smith was Doug, the reality show host, and Paula Anthony. And Josh Ray was the banker and Stan Stanley. I want my baby, 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 ba